0: Om sahana vavatu sahanau bhunatu saha viryam karavavahai tejasvina vadhi tamastu ma vidvishavahai om
1: shanti shanti shanti
2: subham Yeah, thank you, Rajesh. You can hear me? Okay. Um, Is it a yes? Yes. Can you guys reply? Yes, 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 yeah. Okay, okay,
1: yeah.
2: All right. Um...
3: Abu, we lost your audio now. Oh, okay, sorry. You are not talking. Go ahead.
2: You can hear me, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so good evening, guys. Haryom. And uh, this is verse three of uh, Manisha Panchakam. And uh, the Mahavakya we're talking about here is uh, Tattva Masih, which is uh, that Dawat. Uh, this is from the Chandokya Upanishad and uh, from the Samaveda and it is referred to as the Upadesha Vakya. Incidentally, what I also gathered is um, uh, in Adi Shankaracharya, uh, who's Manisha Panchikama we are, we are talking about, has had the maximum number of references to Chandogya Upanishad, and it's one of the earliest Upanishads that was uh, you know, written. And uh, there is a number which has been quoted there, which I found, which is almost, there is some 810 references to Chandokya Upanishad than this particular concept of tattva in uh, his bashyams. Yeah. So the third verse goes like this. Um, I'll do the chanting as um, you know, uh, discussed. <laughs> <laughs> Shashwana ashwara-veva-vishwama-khilam nishitya vacha guru nityam Nityam-brahma-nirantaram-vimru-shatha nirvya so, what this verse basically talks about is that um, in the first line, there is just a reference to the world, not just this world, but all such worlds. So it says, Shashwata um, Eva, that is, um, although it appears you know, perpetually, um, uh, this entire Vishwa Akilam, which is the entire universe and all such worlds is a Nashwaram, is perishable and impermanent. And this is uh, proclaimed by the Guru, Guru Nishchitya uh, vacha Guru, which is the Guru says uh, with affirmation that all the worlds that we are seeing are impermanent. Okay, in the second line, it talks about um, you know, that Nityam Brahman Irantaram, that is, Brahman is the uh, permanent and everlasting. And uh, if someone were to contemplate on the, on this knowledge uh, with a nirvyaja shantatmana, an untainted, unaffected, and very peaceful and tranquil intelligence, he would know that the Brahman is permanent and everlasting, right? Um, coming to the next line, the third line, which is, um, third line is actually a reference to, you know, what are the benefits that one could actually attain from, you know, understanding of this, right. And there he talks about, Butham, Bhavicha Dushkritam. So Bhutam is, you know, even in Hindi, we say Bhutkal, you know, Bhavishya, et etc. Right. So Bhutkal is butham is actually re- pertaining to the past. Bhavishya is actually um, related to the future. And Dushkritam, that is sinful deeds that we end up doing knowingly or unknowingly um, in either the past or in the future. Prar um, pradahata samvinmaye pavake is actually samvinmaye pavake is one who has an absolute understanding of this can actually burn these you know uh, accumulated sins of past and future and also present in the flame of knowledge pavake is knowledge and Prada, uh, pradahata is actually reduced them to ashes and in the fourth line he says that uh, once prarabdham is complete prarabdhaya samarpitam svavapuru that is Swa is is uh, the self and vapur is the body once the body is exhausted the prarabdha um, you know um, the person is free so therefore uh, this is my uh, firm conviction is the last uh, sentence which is ityesha manisha mama coming to the translation if you were to just put in words because sanskrit is a language where the grammar is a little different uh, so the translation reads like this for the verse number 3 which is this entire verse apparently continuing is perishable and impermanent as per the decisive proclamation of the Lord. The Brahman indeed is permanent, everlasting and undifferentiated and peerless. If one was to analyze carefully with an untainted, unaffected, peaceful and tranquil intelligence, the differences in our physical bodies are a result of imprints of all our past and uh, sinful deeds, previous sinful deeds. pertaining to the past present and future and the one who perfectly reduces these imprints to ashes in the flame of this knowledge is the best informed and this is my perfect conviction okay so this is the summary for verse number 3 and we'll now open it up discussion thank you yeah beautiful
0: thank you thank you thank you Super, first of all i think your rendering is really superb
2: awesome Thank you. Um, just not keeping too well today, so I'll probably uh, disconnect the video, and I will join the discussion, and maybe be here for about an hour or so. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Yes. Okay. You can turn off the uh, uh, yeah. slide share.
2: Just one minute, please. Yeah. How do I do that? Stop <laughs> sharing.
4: Just stop sharing.
2: Uh, stop. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Got it. I've done that. Yeah. yeah Thank you. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Over good. To you, Rajesh? Yeah. So
0: um, I think uh, in the uh, last uh, uh, Satsang we, we did the verse two, which was, if I remember right, uh, uh, it was "Aham, Aham Brahmasmi." Uh, Explanation of "Aham Brahmasmi," and now it is "Tat Tvam So it's it's interesting that you know the order is reversed. in you know, in, in, in Manisha Panchakam, first it says uh, uh, Aham Brahmasmi," and then it goes on to
1: Yeah. So, anyone, you can start off with your insights.
4: I uh, thought uh, uh, my understanding uh, was that the prarabdha will continue and uh, the other karmas, the sanchita karma, will burn away. Um, Isn't that the uh, gist of the second half of the verse, Subhu?
2: Yeah, um, I think you're right, because see, Prarabdham is the arrow which has been shot, right? So you have to exhaust your Prarabdha, right? And um, so Sanchita and Agama is something that uh, it can completely destroy, right? But because it is, you're already in the knowledge and wisdom that, you know, you're the self, uh, even the Prarabdha is something that does not impact you.
4: The body goes through it, but you are yeah exactly associated with Ex- the body. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah,
5: yeah. I yeah. think yeah. the other point that I picked up on the Sanchita and. I mean, related to that is Agami, is that the Sanchita karma is uh, is unlimited and sort of growing all the time. Because the moment you start to do any karma, they will lead to uh, multiplication of your uh, Sanchita. So in some ways, those are exhaust, uh, unexhausting, if you will, unless they're burnt, which is what knowledge does. Whereas the prarabdha, as Subhu was saying, is the arrow that has been shot, but that's finite and the body has to go through it in normal course. Uh, uh, So it has to be still endured as opposed to the other two two categories of karmas.
1: And that that structure of how
0: the prarabdha, sanchita and agami karma is explained sort of gives a very beautiful understanding of you know why quote unquote some good people go through bad things and why some bad people get some good things in life it's much more easier to understand
1: that yeah absolutely yes
2: in fact uh, the person who has this understanding in this life itself becomes a Jeevan Mukta realized soul but then uh, once he you know leaves his body he becomes a Videya Mukta or something that's how it's referred to yeah yeah. yeah.
5: So he becomes a videya mukta. Yeah. At that time, the prarabdhas are done. Yeah, correct.
4: Okay, even in this para, the words tattva see are not present, isn't it? <clears throat>
2: Yeah, I, I don't remember. Yeah, correct.
4: That's not there. There's only the gist that Brahman mm. is eternal. That.
2: But but uday,
0: uday if you look at the way that Sugu was explaining the uh, structure in the four four sentences, right? It actually talks about a guru, uh, a mythical guru here. Where I mean, the name of the guru is obviously not there. In the mythical guru telling the student that this entire world, this entire universe is permanently in a state of flux. Right. Okay. And uh, and uh, the next sentence, it says that, you know, it's in a state of flux. Therefore, it is, you know, this. there must be underlying something that is not changing. And that is the one which is Brahman of which is costless, uh, the costless uh, cost of all this entire universe, which, which is resting on. And so therefore, you know, you find that Brahman and then, uh, uh, you know, whatever is changing
2: is all gone
4: yeah the word they use is nityam brahma nirantaram yeah that's the
2: yeah, yeah. nityam is permanent nirantaram uh, everlasting and uh, brahman is referred to basically yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah
2: um the the
0: you know i remember uh, when uh, swami was talking about this for the first time when i listened to it uh, you know he gives a very beautiful example he says that uh, let's say that you know you go meet uh, uh, you know you you go to some place and you meet uh, uh, someone and uh, you know he calls uh, he calls a you know let's say a grown up uh, person and he tells you that you know this is the same boy uh, that uh, you know you saw uh, you know walking around in the neighborhood 30 years back okay at that point of time, although the the person you know looks different than that boy thirty years back, mentally we strip away all those uh, attributes of that small small boy and uh, and and for this person you know the the being being thirty year old and all that we strip away all those attributes, and then we say oh now I know this was Mr. Mr. X's son uh, at that point of time, so that's exactly he says the same thing you know. Uh, he says that, uh, you know, when when the guru says you are that, you have to strip away all those things that are irrelevant and then go to the core and then find out that who that you are. So you might have changed physically, emotionally and all that stuff. But, you know, uh, just as you're able to identify that same kid 30 years uh, later, you should be able to identify who your true self is.
1: And that I found it very impactful actually.
2: So one more thing actually uh, is important here is that um, <clears throat> whenever somebody wants to really discover something, right? It it calls for two things: the you know the peace and tranquility you know of the mind that is important and required to be able to understand uh, you know the deeper meanings, right? Um, so only when uh, the mind is still right? Uh, When this particular knowledge can also be gained, right? Uh, If the mind, so basically, the mind has to be free of desires, the mind has to be, you know, free of uh, waveringness, etc. So it brings in that element as well, uh, you know, to be able to realize uh, this knowledge.
5: Interesting uh, that you say that, because, uh, because, you know, this has, in some ways, the elements of, uh, uh, sadhana chitashtayam because it talks right. about nitya, and nitya which is vivek right um, and then once you have that vivek you know you become you know you gain vairagyam and the mumukshvatvam you know at the same time <clears throat> and the way to get there is what you just described about quietitude and tranquility which comes from the six uh, qualities that need to be inculcated for a sadhaka which is Shama Dhamma, Uparati, triyat, Tiksha, Samadhan, and look uh, at and, uh, the last one. So I think just cultivating those those six habits will help get to make the Nitya Nitya difference a lot more real.
1: Yeah. How many of you have actually read that book by Nisargadatta Maharaj? I am that. Have it, but I haven't read through it in any detail. Yeah, I think it's a it's an amazing
0: book. Yes, circulated. Browse through it at least once if you have the book. You should browse through it.
2: There is, in fact, I think, a good number of question answers of Nisargadatta Maharaj. No, I think he answers all questions That's related. That's the one you're referring to. Yeah.
5: Yeah, it's a PDF. I'll try and find it. Certainly, research. Yeah, I,
2: yeah. I think I've also seen that. Yeah.
0: The first time I read it, I just could not even understand head or tail of what uh, you know uh, Maharaj was talking about. But then, over over over, sometime it just grows onto you. So simple and so beautifully explained in that book.
5: Yeah, I am that, or who am I? I mean, there is an interesting uh, story I recently read about uh, Sri Ramakrishna and Vivekananda, and Vivekananda kind of went to see <clears throat> Ramakrishna, who was a effectively a Pujari in a, in a Kali Mandir, and he knocked his door, and uh, Ramakrishna asked, uh, who are you? And Vivekananda apparently replied, "That's what I'm. That's why what That's why I'm here to find out."
1: <laughs> yeah,
5: it's all very deep that way.
4: Huh? So, Swami Vivekananda was already there when he met.
5: I don't know. I mean, <laughs> these these are all folklores, but it kind of you know just kind of highlights the key question that we're yeah. all trying to get answers to.
4: Yes. Even this Manisha Panchakam. To imagine that uh, Shankaracharya came up with these verses spontaneously, isn't that just amazing? One, how how can somebody come with poetry like this <laughs> yeah, mm. spontaneously? That's no, like it's... something out of the world.
5: Yeah. Apparently, he wrote the he wrote the uh, the what's the six six uh, Nirvana Shatakam at the age of yeah. 14 or eight. something. Eight, eight, sorry, eight. eight, eight. eight. And then eight, he wrote fact, Bhashyams it. Then he wrote Bhashyams on all these 10, 12 main Upanishads. And he did the Manisha Panchakam and a whole lot of other things. And he he was he didn't live beyond 32. Yeah. He was obviously a gifted guy from his previous birth, and he got the right prarapha.
2: Hmm. Actually, uh, Nirvana Shatakam that way was a real stunner for me when I used to uh, read it. Yeah. Because the story is, he wasn't see, you know, searching his for his guru in the Himalayas. And as he was nearing him, uh, he the guru actually asks him, Who are you? And that's when he starts reciting the Nirvana Shatakam saying that, you know, and for an eight year old boy to say something like that is sheer, you know, grace or, you know, divinity or whatever you call, right? But it's it's simply amazing.
3: Yeah.
2: And to compose it, uh, you know, impromptu and say it uh, like an eight from a eight-year-old bo- eight boy. Yeah.
6: Mm. the only thing I've heard the version is like his guru is near uh, the banks of Godavari. So he keeps walking down is it? Kerala okay. from uh, from his birthplace, Okay. then he's somewhere near the banks of Godavari where he meets Govinda Bhagavad Pada. So, uh, and he realizes, oh, this is my Guru, and then uh, he says,
2: Okay, maybe I mistook North as uh, Himalayas, okay, sorry.
6: No, and then later he kind of goes uh, walking all around the country, preaching and unifying all the different uh, various Maths into one Advaita Vedanta umbrella. but uh, this one, yeah, because there are some other stories also. I think like in one of the PDF you shared also the biography. Correct. Uh, it it lists, uh, lists that way. Yeah, his uh, story is legendary. Like all, he starts his composition as a student from eight and then finishes by the time he's 16. <laughs> so uh, all all his Bhashyams, everything, <laughs> Bhagavad Gita, Vishnu, Zasnamam, mm. all the Upanishads, uh, all that is done by 16. And then 16 to 32, it's just like walking all over India many times. Not the yeah. to list. Uh, establishing all the muds and by thirty-two, and establishing he goes Himalayas and disappears. Yeah.
5: It's just amazing and un- unbelievable. Yeah. Always, yeah.
6: And I think that's probably why both of them are considered avatars, right? Like it's, it's possible yeah. for human mind to just conceive exactly. in one birth and write all this. So Shankara is considered avatar of Shiva, and Vyasacharya is considered avatar of Vishnu. So.
4: Shankaracharya at least, that is like proper historical evidence about Shankaracharya, right?
6: Yes, at least there is some uh, various different dates of births and then we have like this full lineage of this various months also, correct, uh, like correct. Uh, all the five months and everything.
4: And Vyasacharya, is there like historical evidence that the, you know, the non believers would uh, uh, can uh, uh, go by the Mahabharata book has been written by him.
6: Him, yeah, that's about uh-huh. it. But there's no so historical
4: stayed, evidence okay. that uh, yeah. about his living or his having written that, uh, right, Rajesh?
0: No, no, it uh, uh, even in Vishnu Sahasranama also it, uh, it talks about his uh, uh, there's a shloka which is dedicated to him before Vishnu Sahasranama is chanted. And uh, uh, you know that that shows that somebody has acknowledged who was the author of that particular, uh, hmm. uh, you know, stotra. Yeah. I think you you cannot probably you know identify a, a what do you call it a carbon dating kind of a thing for for his birth because at those days I don't think there was any book or anything like that. It was all
4: verbal, yeah. right? And I also heard that Vyasa is a generic name, isn't it? Many other people also use the. Name vyasa even though we normally uh, think of vyasa as the person who has written the mahabharata and the bhagavad gita but uh, vyasa is used uh, is a generic name that's what uh, i i heard uh, as well so yeah go ahead
6: go ahead
5: Sorry. no no what i've heard is that uh, you know the two parts to it one is that you know vyasa was uh, I mean, he 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 was obviously an avatar, so he came at different points in time, and so he was the same person. And then there is the other school of thought, which is what you described today, which is that he uh, appeared as different people at different times. So it's Vyasa is really a conglomeration of all of that.
6: Huh. Krishna, you were saying yeah. so. Vyasa means compiler. He's compiled all the Vedas and everything. So he's oh. like the first one who did all that into just like this big set of mantras and then said, okay, let's make it into four Vedas and then have it into four different parts, Brahmanas, Aranyakas and Vedanta, the Upanishads and so on. And he classified and said, it's going to take a long time for any one person to study. So each of you form this kind of one, pick one Veda at the time and then at least learn everything in that Veda and then live by it. So that was one of his uh, unification thing. Then his uh, other important thing was the Brahma Sutra. So then he wanted to convincingly prove, but because there is like all this, which is Vedas, which is Karma Kandam and uh, Jnana Kandam, like how do people interpret it? So his Brahma Sutra composition was to logically put all these things together and say this is the correct interpretation of it. And of course, people read Brahma Sutra and then also take different paths from there. But he did that and then further, okay, now he re- writes Mahabharata, but Mahabharata is like extremely self referential because he also creates the family that causes Mahabharata, and then he writes about them. So he's the grandfather of all the kids, right? Both Pandavas and Kauravas and everything. So if you think about it, and it kind of becomes very uh, his entire lineage is actually listed also in Vishnu Sasanamam, right? Vyasam Vashishta Naptaram, Shakte Pautra Makalmasham, Parasharatmajam Vande, Taponitam. So there's like only five, and it stops with uh, Shuka. So there is uh and then uh, Shakti Maharshi, and then Parashara. Parashara is the one who has the the meeting with uh, Satyavati, and he is born. Vyasa is called Krishna Dvaipayana. His name is Krishna. He is born in an island, Dvaipayana, and hence he is called Krishna Dvaipayana. So, uh, and then Satyavati goes on to marry Shantanu, and then they have Bhishma. And then, uh, yes, so that's that's like how the whole... uh, story kind of uh, goes. So they are kind of, Bhishma and Vyasa are uh, stepbrothers, if you will, and then Vyasa's grandsons are the Pandava, Darjuna, Bhishma, Yudhishthira and so on. So kind of like all gets gets together. And then after all this, he still is like not fully convinced or like happy. And then Narada says, you should write Bhagavatam about Krishna. And then he writes like all the 18 Puranas and everything. So yeah, it's legendary. <laughs> what it? You've done Shankaracharya. Hey, all then. 18 Puranas are written by Vyasa, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That is no, like no, it's
0: not done. written. You know, you have to understand yeah. the word written
6: as compiled. Yes, yes, there. Yep. Okay. So the Veda part, they call it Appa Nobody claims authorship for the Vedas. They just say it has been given to us. And then Brahma Sutra, okay. Bhagavad Gita and everything, then that's like, okay, Smriti Nyaya granthams. Yeah, yeah. Vedas, done. I
4: think, I think for several thousands of years, it came through only by the, by oral yep, yep. recitation and uh, learning, and then, and at some point they were written down. I guess maybe yes. at the time of uh, Vyasa it was written down. Yeah. So there is no, no dating of Vedas, right? It says it is, unborn. <laughs>
2: wait uh, uh,
3: that is uh... go ahead Subhu.
2: hey yeah, no 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 goods go ahead
3: oh okay um i was just going to say the on vyasa there is one more thing that i am seeing which is uh, perhaps it's not the same vyasa there is one vyasa who has done a lot of interpretation of patanjali's yoga sutras um because uh, if you, uh, and I know Kishore referred to this book by Edward Bryan, so I'm going through that. And in that, there are uh, several scholars listed who interpret uh, the Yoga Sutras. One of them is Vyasa. Another one is uh, uh, this person called Vachaspati Mishra. He's apparently a very prominent scholar. Then there is another person called Bhikshu. Um and then there is uh, uh Ramananda saraswati and few others so but vyasa is one of the most prominent persons listed there and um, he's uh, he's attributed to some and he brings in the divine nature of the yoga sutra so so in the uh, which i find it very interesting because patanjali talks about several things in the yoga sutras and contacts you might know this a lot more than me. Uh, he talks about several things on the yoga itself and the eight limbs and everything, um, but at the same time, in between, he sprinkles them with uh, "you need the support of Ishvara," um, and uh, and then everybody goes on all these scholars saying, "What did he actually mean by Ishvara?" And uh, Vyasa is very strong there. Uh, the the person called Vyasa there, I should say. Is very strong. They are saying Ishwara means he means Ishwara as uh, in the as stated in the Mahabharata, or as Krishna says, calls himself in the Mahabharata, and so on. So, uh, so the author of this book itself, Edward Bryan, is um, very impressive. He lives in New Jersey, and uh, he has done this in, interpretation of the Yoga Sutras and he he basically uh refers to all these scholars and he says that uh, you know what vyasa says makes the most sense in, in all these interpretations because patanjali had to have uh, he is another person right who's considered a genius and and he wrote all these aphorisms um so he had to have divine insight to come up with these uh, yoga sutras or compile them so anyway that's one more place where vyasa figures but patanjali is dated at second uh, century ad so i'm not i don't think uh, you know mahabharata is like more like 500 plus bc right 500
4: 600 bc so yeah so, so these are the references which turn vyasa name as a generic one right because it's not possible that vyasa, the same vyasa would Comment on that. So,
3: yeah. So, so, Uday, that is an interesting. So, let me. Sorry, I, I have been moving around. So, so the that is an interesting thing that you say because in some works, right, some of the yogis are said to have lived for hundreds of years. So, I am really not fully reconciled to that uh, because yogis are yogis and they are different people. Um, from how we understand standard, normal, human, mortal life, right? Uh, we we say, okay, average 80 to 100 and life expectancy and so on. So when we say Vyasa, is it the same person? Is it isn't a different person? It's a, it's a very intriguing thing. Uh, yeah, but it was and- a
4: different yuga as well, right, uh, Guns? It was a dwapara yuga. Right? Yeah. And yeah. End of the yuga, everything is supposed to merge back,
3: isn't it? No, no, no. It's a kalpa. That's a much bigger a superset of the yuga. Um, the the dissolution or something, right? I, I believe it's it's uh, within a kalpa, not within a yuga. Yuga is just divisions, right, between periods. Mm-hmm
0: yeah yeah it does not uh, the universe goes back after the end of a kalpa kalpa is a day of brahma and the day of brahma is divided into 1000 mahayugas yeah. and each mahayuga is yeah. divided into uh, four chaturyugas and uh, we are we are in the 20 uh fi- we are in the 51st uh, year of the brahma okay and each kalpa is a day of brahma and we are in the fifty-first year of Brahma, and twenty-eighth Mahayuga of that of a particular day in Brahma, Brahma's life in 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 fifty-first year. So, when you do the math, that's like mind-boggling—some four point three two trillion years kind of number. Yeah, you know? yeah, something. What like
4: happens that. at the end of a yuga,
0: At the end of the yuga, all everything merges. Just exactly, you take the analogy of your dream. What happens when you go and sleep? What happens to the external world at that point of time for you? Okay, everything merges into your mind, and there's nothing which is there in deep sleep at that point of time. And when you wake up in the morning, again you create this entire world, which is your, which is the universe that we start doing it. That's exactly happens, because according to Vedanta, the entire universe is an, is a Maya, is illusion so effectively it's an illusion of Brahm, brahma and uh, and we are no different from him that's exactly
3: what the shloka says no i think udays uh, question uh, gunta was he was asking uh, the yuga there is a there is a dissolution at the end of each yuga or only at the end of the kalpa
0: no no there is no
3: dissolution at the end of each yuga
0: for example you've looked right. at it you know the you take from whatever that we've learned about uh, uh, mahabharata times right the yuga transition from dwapara to kaliyuga happened when krishna left his mortal body okay when krishna left his mortal body there were there were already some people existing you know people like draupadi and draupadi's uh, 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 you know of course draupadi's all children get killed except for uh, um uh you know one one grandchild which is abhimanyu's son except for that
6: parikshit parikshit
0: and all of them so they mm-hmm. they are all there it's not that they are all died they they die away what goes off is the quote unquote you know the the standard shloka of bhagavad uh, gita yada yada hi bharata so krishna just gets rid of all the quote unquote the burdensome people on this earth and then he goes off to start off another set of uh, you know, uh, events events, and then now whatever X number of years have passed, 5,500 plus uh, some number and now another it will go up to another 432,000 432, 432, years 000. before yeah. it will we'll come to an end of this Kalpa. Okay. And when we come to the end of this Kalpa, actually
3: uh, it may not be the end of the Kalpa. Also. No, that's the end of the Mahayuga. End of the Mahayuga, yeah
0: of the Mahayoga. Which Mahayoga? That is the 28th Mahayoga. So you still have huge uh, to go before the... so long time. So, so
3: Uday, uh, I'll send you... Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you uh, photographs uh, in Science and Spirituality uh, VK's book. He has put down all the... Of course, he's a mathematician. He's put down the full math. So you will have full, complete clarity on this thing. So
4: you, go, uh, you can't wrap your head
3: around those. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't. No, Uday, you've got to
0: take a piece of paper and pen and start writing it. And then you no, know, it becomes so uh, you know illustrative, and then you can actually point out where you are in, in this universe. It's just a small speck of dust in time and space.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah.
7: And Uday will become Vyasa compiler, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank
2: you. Yeah. If you can follow Tamil, there is this uh, Dushan Sridhar's video. Also, he explains everything, you know, very clearly. Yeah, yeah, I uh, heard Dushan Sridhar's
4: video. That's when I felt, oh my god, these numbers are, are like, just, let's live this life.
2: <laughs>
4: <Right>.
2: <laughs> it's too complicated. <laughs> <Hey>. uh, <clears throat> uh, coming back to MP, right? Yeah, go, hmm. go ahead. Yeah. No,
8: no, no, go actually, ahead.
3: You were saying something.
2: Yeah, no, actually, um, you know, I was reading a verse three, uh, you know, uh, transcript of what uh, Guru uh, P had to spoken about, and I thought, uh, it was very nicely spoken, right? Um, may not be very new to all of us, but um, um we've heard this in Swami uh, SPJ also saying that, um, you know, for jnana, I know, to get rid of this ignorance, you need knowledge, so jnana yoga and knowledge, knowledge can come from only a focused mind, and you need to not have a unscattered mind, and therefore, you know, um, meditation, jnana yoga, and then from there, he says, jnana, how will you get, you will get it only from purity of mind, and therefore, you need to do karma yoga. Right. So on the similar lines, uh, what I think Guru P has said, which was interesting for me is how he's integrated this with um, every other facet of, you know, uh, things that we are uh, exposed to. So for example, he says, the Vedas him, themselves are divided into three parts. So one is the Karma Kanda, Upasana Kanda and Jnana Kanda. So it goes in the same steps. Huh? It starts with Karma, then goes to Upasana and then goes to Jnana. Right. Karma Kanda focuses on karma sadhana, Upasana Kanda focuses on Upasana Sadhana, and jnana kanda focuses on jnana yoga, right? So then he says Karma Yoga plus Upasana Yoga plus Jnana Yoga is equal to moksha. Right. Your life is also designed in a similar way, right? You start off first as brahmacharya, which is basically the time for you to do Adhyayanam, right? For studying all the three sadhanas and the Vedas, right? The second stage is Grihasa, where you're designed for Karma Yoga, um, because you're actually having some materialistic desire also to be, you know, taken care of. And Karma Yoga requires a lot of infrastructure to be able to deliver, right? You need to have the propensity to earn, propensity to deliver, give and, you know, share, etc. And, you know, try doing it in a certain way. And the second, uh, the third stage, Vanaprastha, he says, is for meditation, right? Uh, It does not require money. Uh, If you have retired, it is fine, but it is the right time for us to enter the Vanaprastha. And the last one is Sannyasa, is the Jnana Yoga Kanda, uh, which is spoken about where you can, uh, you know, uh, uh, go for Moksha. So what was interesting to me was, um, you know, how the Vedas have been structured in a certain way, how, uh, the four uh, types of ashramas, Dharma that has been created, has been structured in a certain way, all of them leading only to one goal, which is Moksha and passing through the thing of Karma Yoga, uh, doing it in a Nishkama uh, Karma way and then going into Dhyana Yoga and then uh, Jnana Yoga. So I thought everything was very beautifully designed. Uh, it's only that, you know, I'm understanding it a little bit more at this point in time. Yeah. So that's the only reflection I had. Of course, we do know Karma Yoga, he still speaks about, you know, the fact that, um, you know, how to uh, do Karma Yoga, even with plenty of desire. So he spoke, speaks about Nishkama, Karma, etc. But interestingly, he says, you know, when we are young, we do mantra chanting, but we don't know the meaning. Um, Then after some time, we do know the meaning, but we don't know the value because we don't have experience. And if we have the value, we do not, if we understand the value and through experience, et cetera, we do not have the time, right? So I think some of the points that he brought out was very nicely done. So I just thought I'll share. Thank you.
1: That's very interesting. So uh, coming back to
0: uh, the Manisha Panchakam Shloka 3, right? Uh, any any thoughts on uh, you know how one understands that that in this uh, in terms of
1: you know the the universe and the relation to where to Bhagavan?
3: Hey, uh, I'll just uh, take a quick shot at this uh, context. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of uh, analysis that has been done on the on this particular course, Obviously, um, going back to uh, the Gita itself, right? Um, I think early on when we read uh, the the previous book from Swami Dayanand. Um, we were talking about the Gita itself is split into the three. Six plus six plus six, where the the first one is the self and then the second six chapters are, you know, uh, I think it is that. Uh, And then the last one is uh, uh, Asi. Uh, Or, you know, basically the merging of of the first two. uh, Or jnana the the full wisdom so there are so many different interpretations of it and in fact um, one thing i found very interesting and i think subhu probably left uh, yeah uh, he was talking about this chandogya and in that there is a beautiful story um, of uh, one uh, sage called sanat kumar and um, his disciple i think his name is uh, so he goes to him and says, uh, I want to know that. And then uh, and then he says, what do you know first? First, first the guru wants to know what the student want, uh, knows. And he talks about several things. And uh, And I think Sveta uh, is his son or something like that. So to teach him, he gives him four different uh, tasks uh, the last one being, can you uh, can you exist physically in your body without? Um, oh, there there there's Subhu. Uh Can you physically exist in your body without water and food? And then slowly he progresses. Then he takes food away. Then finally he takes water away, and uh, he says, "Okay, wa- only water for one month," and. Uh, of course, <laughs> after one month, he goes and says, "I gotta have my food," uh, and uh, and that's when uh, his uh, guru says that, "Okay, now I I hope your understanding is a little better. Now let's talk about it." And then he explains what uh, that the art or actually means, and that's how it ends. So I was just trying to think about all these different interpretations but they all uh, seem to imply just the same thing right how to understand what that is uh, and then if you go to uh, uh, if you go to uh, Krishna himself, uh, finally he concludes uh, and I, I don't remember the chapters but he concludes that you are that uh, or basically he, he says that. Which means uh, you need to, in chapter 2, he says, you need to understand yourself. And then he concludes with, you are that, which means both are the same thing. So, anyway, that's uh, that's just a
0: quick... Uh, Guns, can you clarify? I didn't understand uh, the, the conversation when the Guru the takes away food and water. I didn't understand that...
3: Uh, but can you please at yeah, yeah, pay yeah, attention to yeah. what you said? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll I'll try to do that. Um so basically, this the student, when the student does not understand or the student falsely thinks that the physical him is him, um this is this is where that uh the actually comes, right? First he says tatomasi. The guru says to his own son uh, and his son has actually undergone like 14 years or 15 years in a pathshala, so he's learned all the vedas but he doesn't understand what satomasi means so he says uh, yeah I, I, I know what it is right and um, guru says no i don't think you do so slowly he proves to him that you are not the physical so for that purpose, he starts removing slowly what the physical thing consumes, right? So first he says, you know, avoid these types of foods. Uh, and he tries to prove to him like the gunas and, you know, what types of foods he, he needs to stop eating. Then he takes away the food and keeps only the water. And then he asks the student to come back. after Every time he does this is one month, I think. If I remember the story, right? you do this type of food only for one month come back and tell me what what it felt like do you know what satomacy means and repeatedly he is wrong and then finally it comes down to water and after one month of water the guy is really frail and weak and he says uh, you know yeah i cannot go on like this and and uh, in fact actually then he takes water off and if I remember this right and I'll go and validate the story of course he says no breathe and he wants to prove that prana itself is not that so he says no breathe and of course he he is not able to uh, sustain himself very well and finally he explains what that actually means quote unquote that which is himself right? so that's how he kind of conveys what that actually means—that it's not physical. It's not just your elementary understanding of what that is.
1: No,
0: that's very interesting, and maybe Gunz, when you have time, can you post it to the group? Uh, if you have yeah. a link, link or something that that that. that we can... yeah, 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 I'll
3: I'll definitely do that. Yeah, and that that uh, uh, Subbu, you were saying Chandogya that that thing has a lot of very interesting stories. Um, I think K2, uh, some- Yeah, you're new, right. Yeah, it's, it's got a bunch of stories, and I was going to, uh, K2 and I were having a, a sidebar dialogue a couple of weeks ago, and we were just thinking, just compiling all these stories, right? Uh, like Rupa Pai did, uh, but there's there's probably like 100 plus stories would be extremely interesting.
2: In fact, uh, uh, since you brought this thing out, I was just reading that uh, there's also one uh, interaction between Sanat Kumara and Narada, right? Uh, Ah, Narada is another one, yes. Yeah, yeah. So where, see, Narada has always been known for a person who has seen uh, the Lord with a name and form, right? Um, So he tries to understand what is um, you know uh, understanding uh, Advaita philosophy, right? So for him, it is all about name, form, etc. So it was a very interesting take. I couldn't read the full story, but uh, it just made a mention. So I probably need to dig a little deeper to find out more.
3: But you're right. Yeah, yeah. So so Narada's story is also very interesting. So he asks, so Narada, what do you know? And uh, so Narada says, I know all the four Vedas, I know all these sutras, I know everything, I know the whole thing, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And and then slowly the Guru says, No, you don't know everything. Then Narada, uh, you know, becomes very humble and realizes that he's limited. So he says, uh, Tell me everything. And then again, one more Upadesha starts. Yeah. yeah.
2: But apparently, it is one of the a uh, few, uh, you know, Upanishads, which was written in the beginning, right? I think it ranks eighth or ninth or something like that in the rank of Yeah, yeah. And Chandas actually means meter. It's uh, which is very similar to the Samaveda chanting of uh, mantras and.
3: Medias. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the whole thing is part of Samaveda, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Ud Gita, it's called. They call it Udgita, that means the higher sound or something like that.
1: Krishna, I thought you were
3: going to say something.
6: No? Uh, yes, yeah. So I was, um, I only barely remember the story of Uddalaka and his son, Shweta Ketu, but I didn't uh, fully recollect this thing. So I was going to prepare notes and then later uh, mention about the Chandogya Upanishad. There is one series of um, lectures by Swamiji. Uh, It's called Essence of Upanishads. And it's about uh, maybe uh, 20 lectures or 22 lectures or so. And it covers kind of all the 11 Upanishads. And he gives like a one hour to two hour summary of each of the Upanishads, some of the famous mantras in that and how it comes about. So these are... Like last week's and this week's are the two Upanishads are like the very, very big ones uh, that I have not listened to Swamiji's lectures yet. Brihadaraniyaka is about 390 lectures or so. And then the Chandogya Upanishad is about 190 lectures or so. You're
1: talking of Swami Guru Parananda?
6: Swami Paramarthananda Ji.
1: Paramarthananda. Okay.
2: Quite exceptional, huh? I mean, uh, to give so many lectures on a topic. Uh, yeah.
1: such so, a, boy, this... I
6: did like once a back of the napkin math, like, yes, this uh, mm-hmm. Yoga Malika, Sastra Prakashika apps catalog. I just like mm-hmm. did a very rough eyeballing. His recorded lectures itself is more than 7,000 hours. My God. He's been teaching like for more than 43, 45 years now. So it's recorded.
2: Given he should be given a Padma Shri, Padma Bhushans award. Seriously. Yeah,
6: He's a Brahmanishta, He's beyond all that. I don't he think he really cares. cares. No, no. <laughs> he doesn't
2: care. But uh, it's, you know, I think things like this also need to be highlighted, right? So people need to understand the kind of work that is happening behind it. It's amazing.
5: But somehow I feel uh, he won't even want it or accept it. I don't
2: know. No, no. They will not be because they're beyond all this. Very sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. They're beyond all this. But... Uh, <clears throat> I think from a downward. Yeah, I... yeah, yeah, okay. The okay. other thing about Swami P, you
5: know, uh, and I have to say, you know, with SPG, you know, you find a lot of his uh, lectures, and you know, there's only one truth, so you can only say it in as many in so many ways. But you know, there is a sense of repetitiveness in him. But with Swami P, because he takes different texts and kind of elaborates right. on that, he never feels repetitive to me. I mean, maybe it's just right. my sort of state of lack of understanding, but no, no, he's
2: he right, quoting he from various uh, points, right? And he's also very fluent in transcripts, so he remembers the shlokas and the references Correct. and he's able to connect it, so what Adi Shankara has said, what Bhagavad Gita says, what this person says, I mean, he's able to just connect everything. Yeah.
5: He's able to connect, he has new stories to tell, he's got new sort of uh, perspectives, I mean, <clears throat> you know, on this uh, there's a word in this shloka, in, in third shloka called Dushkritam, right? Yeah. And, and he has an interesting take. He says you burn all the evil kind of evil deeds or whatever, right? Or evil karmas, right? That's and that's he true. actually says, you know, and you kind of wonder what about the good karmas? Do they also get burnt? And his take on that is interesting. He says Dushkritam is actually includes everything because he says that's even that's... karmas uh, are Sort of papams because they are done with a sense of doership, right? And so his interpretation is very unique, where, where he kind of says even those are those are dushkarmas or uh, you know because they are not sort of done with the, with that sort of yeah, wonderful, complete wonderful. Uh, you know distance from from the doership. So his perspective that way I find just very very unique. I mean, yeah. you kind of yeah. just feel like oh this is something I would never have thought of.
2: Correct. Actually, uh, talking of the karma tree, you know, uh, there is no netting, right? Uh, There is no algebraic somewhere. So if there is punya, you need to come again to, you know, uh, enjoy the punya uh, that you have created for yourself or if there is a papa you have to you know come and you know usko <laughs> it's not that if you have five five punyas and three papas i will come down on me and celebrate two and go away you know it's not possible right uh, so with that perspective if you look at this explanation that you has said right on the dshrutam right it is not only uh, because uh, it's not only about uh, you know uh, what is sinful but also uh, everything, all karmas related to Bhutam, Bhavicham, and you know, mm-hmm. Praraptam, right? Uh, so it makes an absolute sense. And the fact that how do you classify a good as Dushkritam is wonderfully explained by saying that it's the sense of devotion.
5: Exactly. Yeah, that's, wonderfully that's, that's, yeah. A, that's a unique angle. I mean, we always think about right. pa- Punya and Papam, and he said, look, all of it is Dushkritam. So, yeah. you know, you've got to just kind of burn them all in that fire of consciousness. And uh, and then he has another very interesting example of uh, this fire of consciousness. He says, you know, and he kind of relates this to Shravana, Manana, and Nididhyasana. And he says, okay. he uses this example of Shravana is where you kind of just given two stones and said, okay, here are two stones. They, these can do wonders. Right. So it's okay. just kind of gaining the initial sort of knowledge. Uh, the Mananam is when you start to sort of rub the two stones together and you get uh, sort of some spark or a few sparks, but you, you're still right. not there, right? And Nididhyasana is when you kind of rub the stones and you create this big fire and your connection with the with the ultimate consciousness is effortless, right? right. So he, he explains this whole fire of consciousness and how, how you graduate from where we are to where we need to go, right? So again, very right. beautifully explained, connecting sort of the dots is what kind of really is very, very, it, it just kind of makes you understand it in
2: much, much more exactly. deeper manner. Exactly. He he has a uh, articulation of uh, making it look very simple and taking you in steps in in a very logical manner, right? That is that is exactly. what I find uh,
5: I don't have his lectures, but I do have his uh, transcript of his of his okay. talk on Manisha Panchikram. So I, I I can try and sort of circulate it to everyone. Yeah, it is sure.
6: all in that website, arshavinash.com.
5: Yes, I, I picked it from there, exactly. But I, I think we'll just for the benefit all of the nice. related.
6: So one one thing, so in our uh, group description, we have a bit.ly link, slash satsang. That's like a doc which all of us could edit. And we have like a lot of links there. I put all the links of our Google Drive, OneDrive, uh, this uh, Swami Guru Bhaktananda's Chinmaya Mission's 47 books, as well as all the Arsha Vinash related books. So that's like our uh, primary source. We can go there and then pick all the lectures. And
0: books. Yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, just to, just a little aside from this shloka what we're discussing, right? So Ajay, you know, uh, when you were t- telling about the difference between how Swami S.P.G.'s uh, lectures are and Swami P.'s lectures are, you know, one of the things that was striking me was in terms of you know, although it's the same, you did you did mention this. You know, it's the same same truth. But different people say it in different way, and uh, and in, in your own in your own uh, words, you were sort of explaining, saying that you know you there was there was one particular teacher who was teaching me that resonates with my mind, with your mind, right? Better, I'm not saying it one person is better than the other. So effectively, that's that's the that's the that's the way that we end up finding our own guru. It's not about it's not about you know who. Uh, speaks eloquently or who does not speak eloquently. It's not about that. It's more about, you know, who with whom my frequency matches, with whom my resonance matches.
5: Okay.
1: You're on mute. You're
6: muted.
5: Sorry, I was saying that they, they they all sort of resonate in different ways. And yeah. Therefore all of these guys are interesting in sort yeah. of the way sort of it works for us. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, they all have their own style, and frequency is what matters.
0: Yeah. No, because you know, I remember a couple of uh, maybe one one and a half years back. You know, we had this discussion, uh, saying that how to find guru, where to find guru, and all that. You now, when you when you step back and think about those discussions, they actually seem pretty. You know, we we were kind of you know discussing for nothing, because <laughs> it seems pretty natural process to get get to know your guru when
3: you're ready. Correct. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, and uh, Vidya, um, please don't beat me up, but the first semester when I was sitting in PKR's class on linear, linear algebraic, I had absolutely no clue what was going on. <laughs> but uh, there were 15, 16 of us. But uh, I found out that I was among the three or four people that had no clue. The remaining people, you know, stuck with it and uh, they were doing very well. Like Ram Narayan, Mikko, uh, he was one of them. He, he was doing extremely well and he was like, you know, why don't you under... It, it was so obvious to him and several others and Uday, you you might have been one of them. You I don't think you were in PKS class, but... Uh, oh, nice. you, you, you were okay, so so you were definitely one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but th- that's the thing, right? Which one? And then you go to J C Punt's class with the same linear algebra. Uh, there are like hundred students, the class is overflowing, and a whole bunch of people are taking notes. So I I experimented with so many different gurus, <laughs> and uh, and finally I'll tell you what. Halfway through the semester, I was back in PKS class. <laughs> but that's the, that was the reality of it. You
5: know. So Guns on a on a lighter note, yeah. I attended uh, these two and the third one, I think which was BP coil, B- B- if I'm not mistaken.
8: Yeah, yeah, and,
5: yeah. BPG. And yeah. I didn't get either of the th- either of the three.
4: <laughs> <laughs> hey, during this reunion. Yeah. This guy, the uh, good knows who is. Oh yeah, yeah, adarsh. <laughs> uh, he asked seriously after lunch sometimes. He asked, "What's the difference between algebra and linear algebra?" He asked me. He <laughs> said, uh, "Linear algebra is supposed to be straight." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, As Gunz, linear... if
7: my dad has not. Uh... Scolded you, then I don't have a right to scold
3: you. <laughs> no, but but I will tell you, he he never scolded anyone. Okay, he was so gracious. <laughs> your dad and, was
4: too sweet, but, man.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but the, the the beauty of it was, and and I've told this to Vidya several times. In the fourth year, I went to him along with uh, two or three others, and I said, uh, Professor Raman, we would like your recommendation for it and uh, for uh, us applications and all that and i you won't be, it was unbelievable he said rajesh how are you and and then he he went on he remembered our names because i think we were few people in the class right 15 16 people that's all and yeah maybe 10 or something and
7: he would say 10 who, or 9 yeah that's yeah, that's yeah. all and he remembered all
3: of us and yeah uh then he immediately, he, he used to suddenly jump into Tamil in the middle of the class. Oh and some of the guys are like, what the hell is going on here?
7: I'm surprised he didn't speak in French. <laughs> because most hey, of his other, was were in of,
2: uh, Just to continue on that story, right? Uh, yeah. Of PKR uh, in his class, somebody, I think, yeah. ob- objected to his speaking in Tamil. So apparently he stopped the lecture and uh, he went to the student and he asked him the question. Do you know how many people speak to me in Hindi? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I thought I thought that was a brilliant answer. Okay, and it was yeah. very uh, this is what I have heard. Okay, though I was never uh, a part of his class, but
3: I heard that this yeah. is what he had asked student later. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. The, the, I mean, these are classics, but basically so, I was just saying uh, to Guntax's point, right, on the blues. So,
7: so going back to uh, Swami P, I just wanted to share when um, I had gone with uh, Ajay and others to see him, uh, guns I just wanted to share that first few minutes, he didn't speak anything and I was late to the... Um, yeah,
1: yeah.
7: And the radiance he had Without speaking a word, I was just awesome. At that moment, mm-hmm. I the only thing I felt was um, you know, at Mahapirivar, b- before yeah. he passed away. That year my dad had taken me to see Mahapirivar. It was exactly the same energy that I had seen there that I saw as soon as I entered Mr. Uh, you know Swami P's place and I was so scared because I was late and all the boys were already there, I was the only girl but at that moment there was no distinction between who was already present and who was not present, it was just amazing. So sometimes you don't need to speak or hear or anything, you just have that energy and maybe that's the connection um, yeah, you know Guntax was trying to say that that connection needs to happen. So yeah, that was just awesome. I wanted to share. Oh, that.
5: Absolutely. In Thank fact, uh, Vidya, uh, I think Sridhar had so had uh, posted a picture of his in uh, the Shivratri session, and when I looked at it, I I don't know the angle it was taken in or whatever. I just felt like I was in that in his house looking at him. Just the radiance was so so powerful. Unbelievable.
7: I, I share the same thing, uh, Ajay. I, when I saw that, I, I was just reminded of that moment and it was just as if you were there. Uh, so exactly. it's, just, it's, just,
1: it's just eerie. Mm.
7: Yeah, his lectures are definitely very entertaining <laughs> uh, from jokes to everything. Uh, but there is something like how you said, Ajay, there's something different when he explains. Uh, maybe it's the connection, maybe we saw him, I don't know what it is, but yeah, it, it makes a big difference.
5: In fact, uh, when uh, we had gone to uh, to Annamalai, uh, Guns VP and, uh, and Krishna, you know, one of the persons there we met who was a devotee and used to be, he used to kind of, he, he used to be somebody who used to, to work at the temple there. He said to us, he said, look, if you guys are listening to SPG and if you guys are listening to Swami P, you're pretty much done. You don't need to go any further <laughs> because he asked us, "Where yeah, are you guys in yeah. this spiritual journey?" Remember, Guns? And yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. To, yeah. Uh, Actually, that was
5: uh,
1: he, he right
6: took, outside uh, Ramashram. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right outside Ramashram. you have found Everest. Why are you looking for other peaks? <laughs>
5: exactly. We yeah, so yeah, exactly. asked him to, he, you know, are there the other Everest. people that we should go to, or you know, what else should we be doing? Yeah, and yeah. very good, said something.
3: No, no, he—that's—I I remember the Everest comment, and and he said, "This is—you don't need to go anywhere else." He 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 picked four or five gurus, right? So Swami Chinmayananda, Dayanand, Swami G, Swami P, and he said, "This is this is who you need to learn from," and that's it.
0: But 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 you know, here is here is the thing, right? <laughs> what I have found in my own personal journey is that the mind will play the trick on us. The mind will play the trick on us and say, "Okay, maybe there's a better teacher for me than this person," and then we start keep running around, keep looking, 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 and finally we'll say, "Oh, all these things was pointless." You know, this this person was already speaking to me, to my mind, but I was still looking for something better, and that unfortunately will happen because that that's the time when when uh, when when that thing hits us. That's the time when the ego has actually submitted, you know, sharanagati to that particular
5: guru. Very true. <coughs> well, thank you. We all you.
6: have our own yes. vasanas, right? So that will still lead us to pick one over another. So I think that is what you're mentioning. That, that the vasanas that we have, we find connection with one but not with another. And one way of message. And I think it's also like not the message or the guru, but more where we are in the ladder and journey and what angle we need more uh, tuning on. Do so you like need the more karma part or are you the guy who's more intellectually focused or are you the emotional person and so on? That the way they teach uh, kind of uh, connects with us very well. But on that note, like one one interesting lecture Swamiji had given uh, is the, the qualification of a guru is also said in the Veda itself, that it should be a Shrotriya Brahmanishta. So oh. like one who should have had this clean sishya Parampara, you can trace all the way back to Shankaracharya, who can then trace back to Vyasacharya, who will then... This like great great grandfather is Vashishta who came from Narayana, right? Like one was like this uh, Sishya Parampara through which they have heard. So they have also learned it the formal way as well as they know how to teach. So that's the Shrotriya part. And then the Brahmanishta part is like, okay, you have learned all these things and you could still be a great teacher. But are you also following that in your life? Are you a Brahmanishta? Are you practicing what you are teaching? So that's the other part. And the, even for this highest level of gurus, the Vedas have like this three classes. The person who has realized but is not able to teach well, like most of the people will call them either as a madman or as a mystic. They will just get classified because they, yeah. while they are realized, we may not be able to directly get the message. So that, he says, is the lowest form of guru. And then the next one is the middle one, where it's a Shrotriya person, one who has like a very good guru sishya parampara. They have learned the whole thing formally, and they know Sanskrit. They are no They're able to explain this, but they themselves are not still the fully realized person. So that's like the middle level of guru, Madhyama guru. And then the Uttama guru is a Shrotriya Brahmanishta, one who has both formally learned, is able to teach well, and is also a Brahmanishta, who is is, uh, sthita prajna, like the person who lives the life. life. My life is my message. I mean, that's the uh, highest form
7: of guru. Very well yeah. said. So that reminds me of uh, one of the stories of uh, uh, Ramana Maharishi. Uh, I believe that in, in one of the Shivaratris, one of the devotees asked, uh, can you explain the meaning of Dakshinamurti Sotram at that moment? So he smiled and he said yes. So all you know, devotees were waiting. They waited one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours. And they were just waiting. And then it was midnight and then early morning. He didn't speak anything. He just didn't speak anything. And then at the end of it, he just, in the morning, he said, do you understand now? And everyone said, yes, we understood. And they all left. So it's just by without speaking, he has you know, taught all of them the meaning of Dakshinamurti Sotam. So sometimes... <laughs> Only those people have the, you know, as Ketu said, you know, if they, if they believe, then they can part that knowledge. How they part it, we don't know. Um, and we expect that they should be talking or writing books and, you know, all that. But just silence. <laughs> I, I thought that was very powerful. Good one, yeah. Very good. I mean, he,
5: was the, he was the silent preacher, right?
6: The, the other one, like for me, an interesting realization was the everything is like Shruti. So that means it is heard and everything is taught only in a oral tradition. And that kind of speaks to also how uh, some of these well revered Swamiji's, they are able to be encyclopedic, is that they know all these things. Like when you are saying one word or one shloka, they immediately connect. Oh, this is in Kathopanisha, this is in Bhradharinika, and this is what it means in Manisha Panchakam. They're able to put all these things together. And that is like the power of just being able to listen. And you don't progress to the next lesson if you have not fully groped what you just listen to and memorize. Because like even with Bhagavad Gita, you go to the second chapter or the third chapter and then somebody says, oh, I learned this again back in the second chapter. Then to be able to know what you learned instead of the summary, you need to also know the shloka and the meaning and how it fits in. Um, Which I thought was like super powerful. It's like a way of kind of getting the student fully uh, engrossed and just have that as the sole purpose that's like so powerful in like making them learn this in a very uh, unique way.
1: Yeah.
5: You do that a fair bit, Ketu.
6: No, 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 nowhere, nowhere close. Huh? This like we depend on Google and like search and everything, right? Like, I mean, the book is there, the PDF is there and even the lectures we kind of go back and do uh, so yeah, it's it's just mind blowing. No, burning. but still,
5: you 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 still make that effort to kind of connect the dots, which is great. Some of the some of your sort of inferences are fabulous there. No, no,
6: thank you, thank you. But uh, long, long, long. Oh, video. absolutely. There are a lot of
3: uh, dot connections which are very, very fascinating, and uh, and they are connected, right? I mean, it's just uh, like what Guntax uh, says, like you you the sculptor. It's just revealing what is inside, kind of thing. Or Michelangelo, maybe, not (laughs) Guntax.
5: Just another thing on the on the various gurus, and you know, you in this kind of you know, world of youtube shorts and you know insta shorts etc you can end up listening to a lot of sound bites from a lot of people and uh, you know i i i i was always very skeptical of gurus for the longest time but having sort of been on this journey for now close to 3 years or over 3 years maybe uh, i just find a lot of them very very insightful in their own ways so Certainly, my skeptic skepticism has definitely come down, and I can, I, I I'm I'm sort of trying to see uh, something useful, positive in anything that sort of comes through, which is a, which is a big change from twenty nineteen when I just didn't trust any of this.
3: Hey, uh, Ajay, you know uh, it's it's very interesting you say this because uh, in in several of Swami G's lectures what uh, he says, and I'm pretty sure, I mean, he he was a disciple of Swami P, right? So, Mm -hmm. this probably came from that entire lineage of gurus. They say that you go through stages. And I think, you know, obviously, I was also in the same camp as you, um, and they call it Shamshaya. So, you hear Mm -hmm. it first, and then you doubt everything. So, that's the the doubting is that samshaya, right? So the, then you keep on hearing it, and then you start introspecting, and this chavanam is happening, the listening and the thinking is happening, and and slowly you realize that hey, you know, I've been missing something here, you know. So I think we're we're all in that uh, kind of journey. Yes, yeah. and, and without so the
5: naming is... any any of the gurus, I mean. I mean, like many of uh, many, like a lot of people, you know, there was this you know generally you found Swami Nityanand one of a bit of a clownish in certain ways, right? In the way he spoke, et cetera. But even his talks and some of the things I think one of there was one lecture that uh, that Alpana had circulated when he was probably much younger. Um, even somebody like him, you know, I'm like there might be there must be something in there as well. That you know, either I'm missing or um, I need to know deeper. And no, some of his no, thoughts right, are still. Man. Some of his thoughts are actually pretty deep, actually.
2: See, I, um, you know, you know, finally, end of the day, like Ajay, you know, you know yeah. we have to be, uh, you know, it will. The spirituality will finally bring us into an inclusive nature of thinking, right? Um, so everything is acceptable. Um, and everything is a manifestation, right? And uh, talking about gurus and especially of Nityananda, I I know there have been, you know, there've been a lot of videos, etc. But if you know his background a little bit, I think Mukhu can explain better. But when he was a very young boy, he also went off to the hills, you know, in search of uh, realizing himself, right? Uh, When he was a very small boy. And then uh, he was there for a long time. And apparently when he came back, right? Um, he used to write a lot of, uh, you know, uh, discourses in Tamil, which was of very high, uh, you know, uh, Vedanta, right? And he would describe that in Tamil and it would come out in print. And uh, that's how he was actually uh, known to be, you know, the next Manar, Ramana Marshi at that point in time. in especially very known small circles there. But sometimes you don't understand how things point out and how things move around, right? Because, They go through also a process of transformation, but they have embarked on a journey, right? Of discovering yourself. And sometimes, like I always believe, even we have embarked on this journey, but I've also slipped and fallen, you know, maybe. And but I've stood up again and I have walked. So it's something like that. But end of the day, I think the goal is the same and the destination is the same. And I think the process of uh, reaching there may take a little longer or maybe little ups and downs,
3: but we continuously, you know, uh, aim to reach there, Absolutely. Um, I think,
8: I think a- regards a- to the a- masters, a- right? Uh, I think really one key aspect is, um, you know, if you if, if you listen to you know I mean uh, Swami or you know or Osho, right? Um, I mean there's a very subtle leela that happens, right? Because you know the master is here to impart the very highest knowledge. Uh, so a lot of times the the kind of the way the drama gets played is see because what is being told is really really very sacred right i mean you you're given a science that you know uh, because once you become enlightened you know your wish transforms to reality right basically you can curse somebody that person will become real it's a very powerful science being transmitted to 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 be able to get to that science you need to cross a lot of uh, tests right, to, to be able to even sit in front of a master to be able to receive that ultimate gift. That is why, you know, even, even Shiva, Shiva Stotra, they say, you know, Shiva will test, but you'll never give up. Uh, so that's why if you look at all these Bhagavan Osho or Nityananda, I mean, all, all these are, you know, the is getting played by the cosmos to constantly let people who are really the, the seekers to, to be, to be getting closer and benefit from, right? And and you know that's that's exactly how it gets played. It's it's to because you know if you keep judging ourselves, judge, judge a master, then we are still in the human game, right? To be able to go beyond judgment is the lesson being taught, and and you know it's uh, it's, it's very subtle, you know. Yeah, I, I've been following Nityananda For sure, he's Brahmanishta and there's no no two things he can transmit completely the sense of enlightenment to a human being. I have no doubts. Uh, Personally, I've experienced it, I mean, not as a a theoretical knowledge. Uh, He has given me the experience, glimpses of multiple times, uh, what an enlightened space is. So from that experience, I'm saying he can transmit and he can give. And everything else, you know, what the media projects is all just kind of layers and layers. And again, to I think Krishna's point, it's not for... Master is more of a heart, not the mind, right? If you're judging the master through a mind, Still in the early parts of the game. At one point, it's almost like falling in love. And you know, when once when somebody asked Swaminathan, "Hey, I, if you are my guru, should I not forget you?" He said, uh, "Try forgetting me, right? Or whoever it? Is who are your guru, right? If you cannot forget that person, then he is your guru, right? If you can forget, just keep forget and move on. That's exactly what he said. So it's really the heart." Heart has to resonate. Then only the magic of the enlightenment can be transmitted. Till that point, everything is an inspiration. I and mean, whatever we are doing is all an inspiration to keep the fire alive. But the transmission happens when you fall in love with the master. And even the knowledge is transmitted by the, just the falling in the love fact, right? Like the beautiful Ramana episode where he just trans—he kept quiet and things happen. The real transmission happens in that space, actually, where the words melt. Uh, not, I mean, all this holds nothing. You know, something happens. You just understand. Oh, that's that. That's possible. It just is an understanding. It just you know that it, it can happen. That's it. And there's no logic. You cannot bridge the gap. Like from this point, I went to that point. And that, that's why it's it's a beautiful. You know, it's a journey of the heart. It cannot be the journey of the mind.
5: Very well said, Buku.
3: Hey, sorry, can you hear me? Mukul, very beautifully said. Thank you. Yeah, that was beautiful, uh, Mukul. Um, I just wanted to say one thing, like, there is one new video of Nityananda Ji uh, floating around, and incidentally, last night, we were discussing that. He's holding a staff, and he says, if I hold it still, time is just passing by. If I move it, time is Seems shorter. And then if I go beyond moving it within time and space, then I attain samadhi. And it's very humorous, okay, if you're just looking at it. It's very, very humorous. Then you think a little bit more, it starts to come together. Like, you know, just uh, for me at least, just because. I'm going through these yoga sutras and all these different types of samadhi and so many classifications. And it's like nail on the head what he is trying to communicate, right? If you if you really sit and reflect what he's saying, every one of them is very, very hilarious, agreed. But then there is the truth is behind that. So it's like what you said, layers. So it's uh, you said it beautifully.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, seven twenty-nine. Any anyone else who has uh, anything to uh, comment on and share before we conclude with the concluding prayer?
2: No, I think uh, in fact I was discussing this with Krishna yesterday. Um, you know, when we discuss all these things, right? Um, you suddenly realize. Which uh, Krishna?
8: It, it,
2: it, it. No, no, both Krishnas, I would say, uh, because the Bhagavad Gita is what I'm referring to here. Uh, Chapter 7 is coming and then there is obviously this uh, mention about who the Ishwara is, right? And I think most of these discussions will probably come back there again is my sense. Because, uh, you know, when he describes uh, Ishwara to be everything, including the negative that is there in this world, That is when you probably will sort of also relate to saying that, you know, uh, how things are all, uh, you know, his his doing and his uh, mastery and his game and everything, right? So we are not here to judge. We're just, uh, you know, a passenger to enjoy the ride. That's all. And so long as we have the realization, um, I think we should be happy that, uh, you know, the sooner we get, the better. And then life will obviously become beautiful for us as well. Yeah, that's how I look at it. But I think chapter seven is coming. So I think a lot of these things will like actually come up again, is my sense. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, I think we should thank Alpana for
0: having chosen Manisha
2: Panchakam before we moved into chapter seven. This is a good one. Yeah. In fact, uh, Guru Pi also was uh, telling, right? So he breaks uh, Bhagavad, I mean, Bhagavad Gita into three parts the first Shatakam, second and So I think it was good to have that break as well, I think, yeah. after the yeah, first yeah. Uh, six, six chapters. Yeah. Yeah.
5: So Rajesh, just a quick one before we close. I just was just googling stuff. Um, Vyasa is referred to as a partial incarnation, as in a Amsha Avatara of Vishnu. But more importantly, he's apparently one of the seven Chiranjeevis jiran is immortals so he is sort of immortal so he's he's here there and everywhere
1: so uday that answers your question yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all
0: right so uh, with that we'll conclude om sarve bhavantu Sukhinaha sarve santu niramaya Sarve Patrani Pashyantu Ma Chittukha Om Shanti 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 Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om Thank you, everyone.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye.